the ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Isaiah 1.3 Hi, this is Pastor Jason from Christian Life Church in Waverly, New York. Welcome to Master's Crib, a weekly podcast where we interview pastors and leaders about the biblical teaching of authority. This program is designed to go alongside a personal Bible study aimed towards spiritual growth, biblical understanding, and a Christian worldview. Thanks for tuning in. Today on episode 39, we have Pastor Clayton Cravey, and uh, he is a pastor in Grand Folks, North Dakota, a Reformed Baptist pastor, and he is good enough to join us today for this awesome topic as we discuss Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So, Pastor Cravey, thank you so much, and welcome to Master's Crib. Well, thanks for having me, and Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. So, it's got to be one of the all-time favorites of most believers, and uh, one of the things about hymns that um, I find interesting, and I'd like to pick your brain about this, there seems to be a level of theology within hymns that is missing in a lot of contemporary music, and I, I, I do want to kind of hedge myself there. The contemporary musicians have been doing a better job of recent um, but it does seem like there was a stretch there where um, where the theology was kind of tossed apart for things that were easy to, to repeat. Do you see that as being true? Oh, absolutely. And, and we're a little bit removed from the, the worship wars of the 90s where churches were <laughs> going to different services of different worship styles or, or, you know, God forbid, splitting over song choices and, and genres. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think uh, things have improved. You have folks like um, the Gettys, Matt Boswell, cranking out some really uh, wonderful worship songs, and others also. But I still think that's true by by and large. That my preference, I've always been a big fan of hymns. I, I get a lot out of them. I think they do have, they are distinct in just how much doctrine and theology and beauty they can mix together. Mm. Um, but in our church, we, we sing a mix of both. We have uh, contemporary things. We have uh, hymns as well on Sundays. And really our, our desire is just making sure that we are, we are singing things that are focused on being able to bring the congregation into that. It's not performance-based, that mm. it's true, that it's beautiful, and that it helps uh, teach along the way too. So all that being said, my, my own personal preference has always been hymns. And as you mentioned, you know, this one, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, one of my favorites, particularly obviously at Christmas time, but it's probably one of my favorites overall anyways. Mm. Now, now, why exactly is that? Why, why would this hymn stick out to you? You know, when I, every time, you know, post Thanksgiving, you start to break out uh, the Christmas CDs or, you know, the playlists on Spotify or whatever. There's just a handful that I, I always, you know, want to listen to, not only first, but kind of throughout and on repeat almost. And there's, there's ones like, Oh, come, Oh, come Emmanuel. And, um, you know, what child is this? I like that. Mm. Uh, but this, this is such an old classic, well-written, beautiful hymn. And, and I just think each, each line of it is just so well thought out. Mm. Um, it, it pulls in so many important truths about Christ's first coming uh, and just the, 
the impact that has on the believer. It's, it doesn't leave Jesus in the manger, uh, but it talks through why it is he came and, and what that means to us as followers of Jesus. Mm. So how old is this hymn? Uh, I'm not great at math. It's over 260 years, I believe. Wow. So Charles Wesley, and, and that'll probably be a name familiar to anyone listening that likes hymns, um, Charles Wesley wrote this about a year after he was converted. And so this was written in 1739. Wow. And someone better at math than me could tell you the exact, <laughs> the exact uh, the age on that on the fly, but I, I don't dare attempt it in the middle of a conversation without writing it down. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, for <laughs> sure. So uh, Charles Wesley wrote quite a few hymns, didn't he? He did. Uh, you know, I, I was seeing one you know, website that was kind of devoted to, to hymn lyrics and things like that. And they said, you know, both in terms of quantity and in quality, it's hard to see Charles Wesley as anything other than the greatest hymn writer of all time. Mm. So Charles Wesley himself, though his brother John, you're probably familiar with that name too, John Wesley, he wrote hymns too. Uh, but Charles Wesley himself wrote over 6,500 hymns. Wow. Oh, wow. And, and of course, that means that probably 6,480 of them you've never heard of, and neither have I. They can't all be winners. Um, but he was a prolific hymn writer. It was uh, vastly important to the, the work that they were doing, spreading the gospel. Song has always been a means of spreading uh, not only the truth, spreading information in general, disinformation sometimes, sadly, but they were using that for the good of spreading the gospel to great effect. And because of that, that great wealth of hymns that he left behind, many of the ones that we're most familiar with, the ones that, that we know and sing and think of when we think of hymns, a lot of those are Charles Wesley hymns. Mm. What, are, what are just a couple of those so we can, uh, so we can all be on the same page? Sure. I mean, so obviously we're talking Hark the Herald Angels Sing here. Mm -hmm. um, a hymn that he wrote right after his conversion, O Four Thousand Tongues to Sing. Mm. Uh, the hymn, And Can It Be? Uh, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. Jesus, Lover of My Soul. Wow. These are all Charles Wesley hymns that wow. still get sung in churches week in, week out uh, to this day. That is amazing. Yeah, it's, this, that's a great selection of songs right there. And maybe some people that are listening didn't realize that, uh, that he was the, uh, the writer of, of those songs. So with Hark the Herald Angels Sing, I mean, literally, there's hardly a Christmas movie out there without this song in it. I was just watching the, uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas the other night with my kids, and yeah. <laughs> there it is, too, actually, thinking about this conversation. I said, there it is again. So it really has um, sunk deep into, uh, into American culture, especially, you know, obviously around the Christmas culture. So just uh, at a, at a kind of glance, why do you think it is, without getting deep into the theology, that this song sets its hooks into people so easily? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said just for um, the, the tune of it. And, and I'm, I'm actually, though I love to sing and I like hymns, and I like listening to music, I'm not, I don't play any instruments mm. or anything like that, so I'm not particularly musical. Um, so someone would probably have a, a better vocabulary for discussing that answer than me. But in my mind, 
I, I think it's a combination uh, of simple, beautiful lyrics and, and a really beautiful tune that has just been so well-loved, so mm. familiar for so many generations. So when movies are trying to capture Christmas or, or bring in nostalgia and they've got you know a minute and a half of screen time to do that, <laughs> it's, it's very easy to pull on a hymn like this and instantly you're, you're drawing people into something that whether they are a churchgoer or not or their family was or not, they probably have some some memory of their own connected with this song. Mm. And so they, it does get featured quite a bit. And beyond that, it's just, it's just a good song. Absolutely. Absolutely. So is there, a, is there a story that Charles Wesley left us behind this hymn so we can kind of have an idea where he was headed or what he was trying to accomplish? Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that I always, you know, you mentioned that I, I do a podcast and a website and stuff. I like to put different hymn stories on there. And sometimes it'll focus on, you know, kind of the story, how did this hymn get written? Or um, some unique aspect of when it was sung in some, you know, eventful incident or whatever. The, the interesting thing that I found about this hymn, even more so than the, the nature of when it came about or what brought it about, uh, was just that it it wasn't originally written in the way we know it. And we, we refer to it as Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That wasn't the title that Charles Wesley gave it. It was just called Hymn for Christmas Day. So pretty pretty bland title. But in the original, it never said Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which is pretty unimaginable to us who've been singing this for 260 years. Wow. Wow, that is crazy. So... What what brought it about then? What what was the story behind this song? Yeah, so I so originally um, it, the first line and there's there's many lines in here that are are slightly different than what we have. He actually has a few more stanzas than what we typically sing on in our Christmas services. Some small changes, you know, where he writes uh, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, and we're tracking right with him. And then here's just a little twist of, pleased as men, with men to appear, Jesus our Emmanuel here. Mm. And, and so just a little unfamiliar, but still familiar enough. And there's a few of those where you think, okay, that's a little different. But at the very first line, wasn't hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. When Charles Wesley wrote this, it was, hark how all the welkin rings. Glory to the King of Kings. And of course, that, that brings on the question, what on earth does that mean? You know, what is a welkin? Why is it ringing? And it's just an interesting story because even at that time, even in 1739, this was an old word. People were not using the word welkin. Uh, it's, it's an old English word, and it simply means uh, cloud or sky or heavens. Mm. And uh, so Charles Wesley, the point he's getting across is that this event, the, the birth of Christ, is so monumental that all the heavens are, are singing out, they're ringing, there's joyful exaltation going on. And that's what he was capturing in that first line that would be you know, completely foreign to, to anybody who even loves this song. Mm. That is really, really amazing. Yeah, because we, we just have this, this is just what this is to us. So anything else is kind of outside of our, of our scope. So Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. So the theology behind this, I mean, obviously, 
One of the things that um, is awesome to do, and I'm glad that you do that, is really look into the theology behind these hymns. There is a lot here. We were talking uh, just a little while ago about um, joy to the world and, um, you know, how far the implications of the gospel are are expected to reach, you know, how much this restoration or how far it's expected to go, I mean, far as the curse is found, such amazing theology that we just don't really hear a whole lot of anymore. So what are the deeply theological implications from Hark the Herald Angels Sing? Yeah, it's an excellent question. And, and for those curious, I mean, how did it get to, like you just said, Hark the Herald Angels Sing? Uh, just a fun trivia is, is the guy who changed it was George Whitfield, famous uh, evangelist, friend of John and Charles Wesley. He's the one who kind of made that, that distinction of, let's get rid of this old language, let's get the Herald Angels Sing. And so right off the bat, you're kind of singing this, you're thinking through the lyrics, and you're right there in Luke 2 where, you know, the, the angelic hosts proclaim uh, when those shepherds are in their field watching their flocks by night and, you know, this angel comes in and declares this great news to them. So, I mean, even first line, you know, obviously it's, it's the change line later, but first line of the hymn, we're, we're instantly in the middle of the Christmas story as revealed in the Gospels. Mm. And, of course, you know, from the herald angels singing, glory to the newborn king, we're speaking of one who was long foretold to, to rule and reign as being of the house and the lineage of David, that, that Davidic covenant that came way back in the Old Testament of how he would never lack a ruler on the throne. And we see these things further revealed through the Old Testament and then clarified in the New Testament as this applies to the Messiah, to the coming Christ that would uh, come and to rule and to reign and to save his people from their sins. And so as you think of the theology behind this hymn, I think uh, what I would say is the central element to all this is the incarnation. Mm. And when we're talking about the incarnation, we're simply talking about about the word made flesh, about uh, God the Son coming and taking on flesh and dwelling among us, being both truly God and truly man, two natures in one person. That's, that's the core of what Hark the Herald Angels Sing is really proclaiming. Yes, he explores other things kind of spoken out around that, but when, when we're seeing, you know, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, mm. pleased with us in flesh to dwell, or uh, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel, we, that is such a, a concise, tightly written, you know, just a handful of words to declare in just joyful exaltation what the incarnation is. Mm. Well, that is, that is really amazing. What, as, as, uh, as you're speaking about the theology here, I'm thinking how many secular events or secular parties there are that um, will probably happen this year, despite what everyone thinks, where this song will be sung with yeah. great fervor, and yeah. the people there uh, will will not even realize that uh, they are singing a beautiful worship song. To them, this is just part of the Christmas culture. So perhaps since God's word does not return to him void, and uh, this is def- definitely loaded, uh, perhaps we might see some, some fruit from that this year. So we'll have to pray toward that end. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it is a really good point because, uh, you know, this is a song that you would hear shopping in any store. You don't have to be in Hobby Lobby or Chick-fil-A uh, to, to hear this distinctly, you know, Christian song that is just saturated with good, strong biblical doctrine. And that could be a wonderful thing. That, I mean, you could maybe go up to someone that's humming this tune and be like, hey, do you know what that's about? <laughs> and they could tell you all the words and, and not know what it's about. There's a, a wonderful angle for very easily going into the gospel. And, you know, I think at the same time, there's, there's a little bit of a sadness to that in, in that these, all these people that, that don't follow Christ, that, that do love and sing and listen to these types of songs at Christmas, they're, they're just uh, without excuse. Mm. Uh, and I think that's tragic. And I think it's tragic, too, that in some ways, um, the familiarity of it is that people can sing it with really not thinking about the lyrics and thinking about the words that they're singing. And of course, we all have you know different groups that we like that put out Christmas albums. They might be the most secular uh, person in the world cranking out a Christmas album with, with beautiful, beautiful biblical doctrine, and yet they they don't they don't really know what it means. They don't believe it. So that's sad in that in that aspect. But it also is, is again a, a wonderful thing in that you can take these things. And really use them as as a quick beeline to the message of the gospel. Hmm. Well, that is really, really amazing. So, when you were saying, really, the whole idea behind here is is presenting Christ as part of the Godhead. Did I get right what you said? Yeah. So, I mean, the the main focus, and this is just my thoughts on it. There's probably others that have, you know, oh, this is the main focus. This is uh, in my mind. The main focus is going to be on the incarnation. Again, that's just that's just God becoming man and dwelling among us. You know, the second person, the Trinity, taking on flesh and being born. As as Charles Spurgeon said it really well, uh, it's about the infinite becoming an infant. Mm. Wow, that is that is truly amazing. So, obviously, both being Christian pastors. We love the gospel. We want to be able to uh, to not only proclaim the gospel. We want our churches to be singing songs that uh, that reflect the gospel and uh, and teach it to uh, to those standing around them as we're singing these words, as we we're reading these words. So, how does Hark the Herald Angels Sing give us the gospel message? That's an excellent question, and that's you know the fact that it it does that um, well. Uh, is one of the reasons I like it so much. Now, it is a hymn. It is a song. So it's obviously, it's not going to give you uh, the the breadth and depth that you're going to find in studying the Gospel of John or something like that. What what Charles Wesley's hymn here does is it captures these themes and it calls them to mind and it, and it brings them in our heart and helps us to think on them fondly in, in ways that draw our eyes and our hearts heavenward. And I think in terms of of where does it capture the gospel the best? In my mind, I think when it speaks of, uh, in, in, there's different versions. In, in the one I'm most familiar with, this is typically like the last stanza, when it says, mild he lays his glory by, mm-hmm. born that man no more may die, born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. And that mm-hmm. right there is speaking to the very mission of what Christ came to do and what he accomplished for us on the cross. And that 
he was born, he, he, he came into this world for the sole purpose of rolling back the curse. You mentioned that with, uh, you know, the joy to the world hymn of, of really reclaiming and rolling back the effects of sin. And obviously here we're talking about that, that spiritual death, that second death, and that in him, you know, it, born to give us second birth, those who are born again in Christ, well, yeah, we'll still pass away physically here on this earth unless the Lord comes back prior to that, and Lord willing, he will. Mm. But it's that second birth that rids us from that penalty of second death, and we enter into eternal life with Jesus Christ. So when you talk about you know, the heart of the gospel captured here, it's just making abundantly clear in such a beautiful way that if we are born again in Christ, we're, we're no more going to die spiritually, but instead our deaths are merely the doorway to eternal life with him forever. Mm. Well, that is really beautiful. And what a clear, clear picture that we have in this, uh, in this wonderful hymn. So perhaps as, uh, as people are singing it this year, they may be singing it with uh, a little bit clearer understanding thanks uh, thanks to what you've given us so i really really appreciate that would you uh, just uh, allow our listeners uh, the opportunity to know how they can get a hold of you or uh, what your website is so that they can find out more information and possibly about your blogs and podcast no absolutely love to um so uh again my name's clay and i run uh in addition to to doing pastoral work um, I run a website called reasonabletheology.org, and the main intent of that site is just to deliver sound doctrine in plain language. I found that uh, so often good, solid theology and doctrine is presented in ways that uh, almost seemed intentionally dusty and dry and unaccessible, and I think that does the church uh, a great disservice. So my intent in the website is primarily to take strong, you know, sometimes difficult concepts and break them down and share them in a way that helps people grasp them better. Uh, so we'll, we'll have articles on theology, um, posts on apologetics. I do book recommendations, things like that. Also have a podcast of the same name, Reasonable Theology Podcast, and you'll find that on you know, Google Podcasts and Apple and pretty much any, any of those that you might use on your phone, your tablet. And again, the same goal there is, is trying to deliver sound doctrine in plain language. And that's really been fun because I've had the opportunity to, to interview some really interesting people, writers, authors, pastors, and to discuss some, some interesting topics in that you know, have really run the gamut from uh, false teaching to uh, biographical sketches of folks like Jonathan Edwards or Charles' wife, Susie Spurgeon. Mm. And also uh, a number of theological concepts and topics, too, where we'll explore things like uh, what is the difference between, you know, a, a Presbyterian and a Baptist understanding of baptism? What, what accounts for the difference between those who are credo-baptists and paedo-baptists? We'll explore things like uh, some of these hymn stories. How do these things come to be, and what's the th- theology behind them? So it's been a lot of fun. All that can be found at, at reasonabletheology.org. And you can look for Reasonable Theology on Twitter and Facebook and places like that, too, and, and track those down. 
Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I have uh, one more question I'm going to throw at you here, and it may be the most difficult question of all. I love uh, the big reflective questions, looking at the big picture. So I just want to ask you, Pastor Clay, looking back at the whole year of 2020, which has been the most insane year I think any of us have ever lived through, uh, with all of the struggles with uh, you know trying to maintain church services through online, to maintain ministry through podcasts and and other avenues, and uh, and also to uh, to be a father and and taking care of your family and um, following all the rules and regulations with everything that's going on, you have a unique opportunity with your church body to close out this year on a note. So I just ask you, Pastor Clay. With all that's been behind us and with this Christmas season that's before us, this Advent season before us, what are you praying and hoping that was accomplished this year so you can close out this year uh, ex- exactly how you want to? That's an excellent question. It has been a hard year. So if there's something that I'm hoping to drive um, you know, people to, whether it's... Uh, you know, in a Bible study, in a conversation, or in a sermon, you know, I'll be preaching at, at the end of the month here on the other side of Christmas, is is a couple of things, really. Is one, to stand back and look at and, and be thankful for the provision that God has given. In the midst of difficulty, mm-hmm. uh, He has provided it in many ways, and we are um, doing ourselves a disservice if we don't pause and reflect and count those blessings that we've had and I think kind of dovetailed into that is one of the gifts of 2020 has been shaking us from not only a number of idols that we've probably had in our lives, maybe even unbeknownst to us, but even more so, I think uh, we've really had a sense of taking things for granted that easily creeps in in our Christian lives. And so much so, I think this year has shown that uh, the, the steady, normal, everyday life that we were used to can get disrupted in an instant in ways we could never have predicted or seen coming. And so, Lord willing, we come away with a greater appreciation for gathering together, for being in church with one another, to be able to run into the store in and out without a problem, going to watch a, a basketball game with a family member. All those things are things that are now, uh, we have a heightened awareness that these were blessings These were um, provisions that God gave us out of his abundance of goodness and love. Mm. And my hope is in in my own life and the life of others would be that we would be very slow to take those things for granted again on the other side of this. That is awesome. Well, Pastor Clay, I thank you so much for your time. I'm going to be praying for you and for your wife, your children, and your congregation. And I just thank you again so much for coming on Master's Crib. Hey, thanks so much for having me, and Merry Christmas to everyone listening.